Father, we are just so grateful that we are the recipients of that love. As we talked about last week, that as we were still yet sinners, <laughs> you still died for us. It is a powerful, amazing, and gracious name, and we are here to worship that. Thank you for allowing us to. It's an amazing name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You guys can all grab a seat. Well, we are in week two of our series in Galatians, where we're just taking six weeks to walk through all the chapters of of. Galatians, and if you weren't with us last week, uh, let's just catch you up a little bit. Uh, there's this man named Paul who was a very religious person. He grew up in the, the Jewish tradition. He was a Pharisee. He knew the scriptures inside and out, and he was bound and determined to start, stop this new movement, uh, this new Jesus movement. And he did everything in his power to, to stop this because he was so adamant about the religion that he was in. And then he met the resurrected Jesus. And everything changed. His entire life changed and his purpose changed. And what he did is he actually went and started churches in this Jesus movement. And he went into this area called Galatia and started many, many churches. And what he'd do is he'd go in there and tell these non-religious people, they did not grow up in the, in the Jewish faith. Uh, they knew nothing about any of the, the rules and regulations, the eating regulations, all the things that they were supposed to do. And he went in and told them about this resurrected Jesus, how in faith in him alone that they could have life. And it changed everything for them. And, and here he was, he'd go into these areas and he'd, he'd get this group and tell them about Jesus and he'd raise up uh, leadership and put a pastor in place and then he'd go on and do that again. And he started church after church, an amazing church planter. And after he'd done that in Galatia, which is our modern day Turkey, he, about two years later he actually got word that, that this other religion had, had, had kind of seeped in, a false gospel as we called it last, last week. And these Judaizers, these other Jewish Christians had come in and said, yeah, you know, this whole faith in Jesus thing is all good and all, but you've also got to do some other things. There's some other hoops that you have to jump through, na namely circumcision. But to be a true follower of God, to be, truly appease God, you not only had to have faith in Jesus, you had to have these other things. And this did not make Paul happy at all. As a matter of fact, he said he was astonished. He was blown away. He could not believe that you were starting to listen to this other gospel, which was no gospel at all that this false gospel was taking you away. It was taking actually the freedom of being able to worship God, of the freedom that Jesus offers all of us. It was taking all that away, that you need to get back to the true gospel. That's what it is all about. It's all about the real gospel. And here's the thing about the real gospel. It's very easy to believe in, but it's very hard to live out. It's very hard to live out. As a matter of fact, as we're going to see today... Peter has his own issues with, with living out the real gospel. It happens to the best of us. And, you know, you can think it's valuable but not life-changing. You can think that it's very important, but it doesn't actually have to, to change everything about your life. You know, this chapter is about the gospel changing everything, about the gospel making such a difference in your life that you don't see things the same way that you used to be. You know, it's, it's, it's easy not to be all in when you're following Jesus. And that's exactly where our story goes today. In the beginning of Galatians chapter 2, we actually see Paul, he goes on to the territory. He actually goes to Jerusalem to meet with all the disciples, the Peter and, and, and John and James and the brother of Jesus. And, and, and he goes to tell them, this is what I'm teaching the Gentiles, that God has called me to go to this non-religious group, these Gentiles, and here's what I'm telling them, that it's faith alone in Christ alone. That there's nothing you can do to add to that. That, that if you have faith in Jesus, 
That is all that is needed. Nothing needs to be added. He wanted to make sure that all the disciples were on the same page. And they all agreed, yes, that's exactly it. It's not about the rules. It's not about the regulations. It's not about these things that you have to do anymore. The true gospel is about Jesus and Jesus, what he did on the cross alone, in full agreement. And then, about midway through the chapter, we see Peter coming to Antioch, which is Paul's territory. And Peter struggles a little bit. He honestly has a little bit of issue in the lunchroom, if, you, if we will. And I don't know about you, but I started thinking about this whole thing, and I started thinking about back in my high school days being in the lunchroom. If you can remember, for me, it's a long way back there. Middle school and high school in the lunchroom was in a, in a unique place, wasn't it? There was these kind of divisions and categorizations of, of where you would actually sit. You know, there were, there were the, the, the jocks that would all try to sit together. You know, all those guys that were very good and, and, and gals was all good in all these sports things. There was the geeks who are now all doctors, and now we're not making fun of them anymore, you know. And, and, and there, was all, there was all these kind of divisions and all these separations. There's the band kids that was at, at some tables. There was the cool kids, you know. I never got to sit at that table. You know, it was kind of disappointing. In my school, I don't know about your school, we had a ta- with tables with gearheads. Anybody have gearheads? Anybody else, you know? You know, they were, it was all about their cars and working on their cars and, and fixing them up and all that kind of good stuff, you know? And, and there was just these kind of separations. There was these categorizations. And, and there was peer pressure. There was these levels of classes, even society classes and, and income levels and everything that was there. Let's just face it, there was a lot of judging that went on there. There was a lot of, of posturing, if you will. That's exactly what's happening in Galatians chapter 2. Let's pick up the story in verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. He was in the lunchroom with just everybody. Matter of fact, some versions say that he regularly ate with them which to us doesn't seem like that big a deal, but for, this, for these Jewish people who, who grew up in this religion, it was everything. There was all kinds of statements being made here. There was all kinds of dietary restrictions that they were not supposed to eat with certain people or eat certain foods, and they were also not supposed to eat with certain people, namely Gentiles. But, but here is Paul, or here is Peter eating with everybody and just having great fellowship and everything, and then all of a sudden things change. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was was led astray by their hypocrisy. Here is Peter doing something other than what the true gospel is allowing him to do. See, you can believe the gospel. Peter understood the gospel. He knew it inside and out. He knew what the gospel was, but he's finding it in this situation very hard to live it out. And what he's actually doing by doing this is he's creating division. He's separating people back into classes. He's separating people back into into divisions. He's categorizing people, and this is a religious issue. And it's like we talked about last, year, last week, is that there are some people that think, you know, we got all the truth, we've got it all, and we're in the inside of the box. We created these walls of what it takes to be a God follower, be a Jesus follower. And as long as I'm inside the box and everybody else is outside the box, I feel pretty good about myself. And what Peter's doing is going back to exactly that. This was also a race issue because he grew up as a Jewish chosen person, thinking that that Jewish cult was culture was better than anybody else and and now he's separating himself from the gentiles who they weren't even supposed to go into a gentile's home and he's creating all these things again what's happening is the false gospel is slipping back in 
And for some of those people there, it was a feeling of superiority that we're in and you're out, that we know the way, we know all the rules, we know all the details, we know all these things, and we're in and you're out, and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves, creating for others a feeling of, of inferiority, that they didn't measure up. They, they didn't have the inside track, that they were somehow lesser than anybody else, that they weren't worthy of this Jesus. And maybe some of them even felt like, you know what, I was born into this, I was born this way, and how am I ever going to get out? And they start having this victim mentality. And we've got to be so careful because this false gospel divides and separates and categorizes. And it's not what the true gospel does at all. And Paul goes on in verse 14. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? Basically what he's saying is, Peter, you are not following the true gospel anymore. You see, the true gospel is that we are all the same. And actually in Galatians chapter 3, we're going to hit on this probably next week. Is, and it's so beautiful. I love this, the scripture verse. It says that we are all the same. That there's no division. There's no categorization. That we are all one in this Jesus. Whether you are slave or whether you are free whether you are Jew or whether you are Gentile, whether you are female or whether you are male, we are all one. God sees us all as one person. There are no divisions. There's no categorization. We are all the same. There's no difference. Don't start categorizing. Don't start division. Because in God's eyes, we are all the same. But it is so easy in our society and in our culture to divide, to judge, to categorize and it's so easy to get caught up with all of that that's going around even us today it happened to Peter way back in the first century he gets caught up in all that by following the false gospel so how do you and I keep from doing exactly that and Paul knows there's only one place that we can go when there's division when there's categorization when there's this these these tensions that are there between everybody there's only one place that alleviates all that, and that is the true gospel. Listen to what Paul says in verse 16. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one, no one will ever be made right with, the, with God by obeying the law. He's saying that it all comes down to this one thing. It's the center of who we are. It's the center of what we believe. It's the center of Christianity. It's the center of changing our lives is that it's about Jesus and what he's done on the cross and nothing else. We cannot add to any of it. And let's just face it, that brings all kinds of tension into us. Especially if you've been around the church world or been in church and grew up in church, there's this, this, this whole tension that starts because it's so easy to let these legalistic, this false religion keep coming in and think, well, yeah, it, it's, it's about Jesus, but there's all this other stuff. And we know deep down that it's not about what we do. We understand that. It's not about what we do, but yet we know it's all about what we do. It's all about what we do and how we act, isn't it? And it's what divides. It's why we get called hypocrites, just like Peter at times. People on the outside say, well, yeah, you know, you should be changed. You should be different. You should love. You should do whatever it is. And we, look, we get looked at and say, yeah, but you're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. 
because you've got to understand it all comes from this changed heart. We're not justified by what we do. But what our changed heart shows what we do. It acts there. It's a, it's a minor distinction, but it makes all the difference in the world. There's this simple gospel, this simple faith in Jesus alone. It's so simple, but yet it's so hard. And you've got to ask yourself, what is the secret? What is, is going on here? And I think part of our issue is that, honestly, as church leaders, as the Western culture church, we have sold a version of the gospel that is just soft, that honestly is, is actually incomplete. Yes, we don't have to do anything. It is all by faith in Jesus, but yet it costs us everything. To be a true follower of Jesus, it's about surrender. It's about letting go of ourselves and saying, Jesus, I am yours. Whatever it is you ask, I'm going to do. I don't care what the question is. The answer is yes. It's about repenting that we don't talk a whole lot about in church anymore, do we? And, and you see it all through the, the New Testament about repenting, which means that if there's something that we are doing that goes against how Jesus lived, how Jesus taught, then we are to repent. We are to go the opposite way and follow whatever Jesus asks us to do. That is what it's all about, surrender and repenting. So you put your faith in Christ you're accepted by God, and it changes us. You do the good works out of a changed spirit, out of a changed heart. And then Paul goes on in verse 20, probably the most important verse in all of Galatians. He says this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The true gospel is that we die to us, that I am crucified, that it is no longer I that live, that everything is about this Jesus. And this is not a popular way to teach. We don't go this direction very often. And I get it, and I understand it, and it's all with great intentions. That the Western church, the big C church, has, has kind of left this whole thing out because it's hard to get converts when you say, yeah, you know, it's just so simple. It's just, why don't you say this prayer, and then you're in, and you have your eternity secured. But we, go, we don't go far enough and say, you know what, it's going to cost you everything to follow this Jesus because that is the truth of the real gospel. That is a daily surrender of everything that we are to follow this Jesus. You don't get to follow Jesus on your terms. You only get to follow Jesus on his terms. And I remember many, many years ago, decades ago now, uh, the book uh, Purpose Driven Life came out by Rick Warren. And I was all the rage, and I picked up this, this copy, and, I, and honestly, it, it, it changed my whole process and my thinking. It was just, you open it up in the very first chapter, the very first line, says it's not about you. And I had to stop and I had to think and, I, and, and my Christianity, my faith, my following Jesus was all about me. It was all about how it was going to benefit me. It was all about what it was in it for me. And I had to think, is it truly all about me or, or is it not? 
And I realize that even today, it's, it's, a, it's a constant battle. It's a daily struggle of all this thing slipping in that if this is about you, it's about you. Our culture and society draws us into that. It's the false gospel coming in. It's the false gospel bringing, bringing us back to, you know, what about you? What about you? It's not about us at all. And we find Jesus in his last days, and he's getting his disciples together and telling them that he is about to be crucified, and, and he's going to go away, and he's preparing them to carry on the ministry at that point. And he says, I'm about to be, be killed. I'm about to be crucified. And, and Peter stands up and says, no, that, that can't happen. And Jesus himself says, Peter, get away from me. That is nothing but from Satan. That, that, that is your desire. That is not God's desire. You see, the disciples thought that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, that the Messiah that God had promised was going to deliver them from political division, that, they were going to, that he was going to deliver them from the political oppression that was happening, that the Roman government would be no more. That's what they had hoped for. They had hoped for a kingdom set up here on earth. But Jesus had other plans. It was a heavenly kingdom that he was going to bring in. And I often find, think that that's exactly where we are today. It's the heavenly kingdom that overthrows Everything. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, if you like what you're doing, if you like everything that's going on, if you like your comfortability, if, if that's what you're striving for, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And this is a spiritual discipline that we don't talk about very often. We talk about the spiritual discipline of, of reading Scripture where, where, where you get into the Scripture and try to find Jesus and have God speak to you and, and see how it molds your life and changes you and your heart. We talk about the spiritual discipline of prayer where, where you communicate with God and, 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 and you hear from him and, and, you, and you, you build this personal, intimate relationship with each other. We talk about the spiritual discipline of, of generosity where we're giving back to others and, and thinking of others better than ourselves. But how often do we talk about the spiritual discipline of sacrifice, of giving your life away, of surrendering everything that you are to Jesus? Luke says it this way. It says, then he said to the, to the crowd, speaking of Jesus, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and he adds the word daily. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And for me, and I'm sure for a lot of you out there, that's exactly what it is. It is a daily thought process. It is a daily thing that we've got to pick up our cross and carry it. It's a daily reminder of God, I am nothing without you. That if I left in my own will, I'm going to do it my way. And it's not about me, it's about you. It's a daily thing. And so often we find ourselves in situations and places and in areas of our lives and times of our lives that we want the whole thing changed. That we don't want, want things to keep going the way they're going. And, and, and maybe we're we're dealing with some kind of loss. Maybe there's marriage issues, there's relationships issues, issues, financial issues, job loss, health issues. And we're in this situation, and we're just saying, God, would you just take it away? Would you just get, get rid of all these things? But sometimes, sometimes to make it through those things, to be everything that God wants us to be, our situation doesn't need to change. 
we need to change. There's something inside of us that needs crucified. There's something inside of us that needs killed, murdered, so that we can get closer and do what God wants us to do. So Paul in Galatians has three, three different times in, in throughout Galatians that he tells us that we need to crucify something in our lives. That if we want to truly follow Jesus, if we want to truly be who all God wants us to be, there are things in our lives that we need to crucify. And the very first thing we've already talked about is we need to crucify ourselves. We've talked about I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. In Romans it says it this way. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free. And there's our whole thing about freedom. There's something about living this life in Jesus that gives us an amazing freedom if we choose that kind of freedom. We are no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. That stuff that inhibits us those addictions, those, those lifestyle things that, that are contrary to God, the impatience, the anger, the selfishness, the unforgiving nature of ourselves. We can sacrifice all of those things, and we need to die, as Scripture tells us, daily, as Jesus told us, daily to those things. It's a mindset of that he must become greater, and I must become less and less. And that's just not in my nature. It's not in who I am. And, it's, and again, it's this whole daily thing that we, we need to do is, is praying that, that, God, would you just take me and use me today? Would you do everything we can? Would you take the, the words that come out of my mouth and use them to, to glorify you, to, to raise other people up, to lift other people up? Would you take my hands and, 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 and help me to do things that, that is contrary to just about me, but that we can help other people. We take my feet and, and, and put them in places, take me to places where I can have these divine appointments to do something for you. You take my mind and, and get it off the things of, of this world. Would you get it off of, of, of me and put others first in, in, into my mind? It's a daily thing. It's about your way, God, not mine. It's us living in humility the second thing that Paul tells us to crucify is our sinful nature that we need to crucify our sinful nature Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 says it this way those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there since we are living by the spirit let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives that we are to nail our passions and desires of our sinful nature to the cross. And understand there are two kinds of, of passions and desires. There's the, the, our original passions and desires of who we are, and then after we surrender our lives, if we get to a point where we actually surrender our lives and give everything, repent of the things, and follow Jesus with our whole heart, we have now passions and desires, but those line up with what God's passions and desires are for us. Those we have to keep, those we have to have. But for me, I know I have these passions and desires that come from a sinful nature, that it's all about me. I am one of the most selfish people that I absolutely know. I want to do what I want to do. The pride and everything that is there, these selfish passions, Paul is saying that we need to nail all of those things to the cross. And our culture tells us the exact opposite. It's all about how you feel and and, and what you do. Just, you know, follow those kind of things. Follow your heart. No, don't follow your heart. Scripture tells us our heart is deceitful among all things, above all things. 
we follow our heart, if I follow my heart, I'm telling you, I'm going to get myself into trouble because my heart is not right. It's about getting rid of, of those kind of things. See, the, the world wants to tell you who you are and what you do. We've got to allow Scripture. We've got to allow the Bible to tell us who we are and live by the truth of God's Word. I think so often it's all about, well, how are you feeling? You know, just if it feels good, do it. If it's, feel, it's all about this whole feelings thing. No, it's not about how you feel. It's not about your passion and desire. It's about what does God tell us in his word that is honest and true and does our life align with those kind of things. We live by choices, not by feelings. We live by convictions of what God is calling us and how to live through Scripture. We choose who we're going to serve. That's what it's about. The last thing Paul talks about is needing to crucify the world. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. And here again, we have the world telling, you know, it's, it's all about the bigger, the best, the, what, you, what you need to have. And we're drawn to this thing about, about prestige. We're drawn to this thing about wealth. We're ta- drawn to this thing about, about status and, and, and things and possessions and prestige. And, and we do it to try to fit in sometimes to show that we are worthy. Paul is saying we need to find a filter. We need to get a world filter so it's not about those kind of things that are drawing our attention away from how we are to follow this Jesus. And I know myself, it's so easy to get drugged down in everything that's happening in our world, especially around today, and we can kind of get caught up, and there's just some things that I've got to filter out. There's things that we need to filter out. There's things that we need to stop listening to. There are things that we need to stop watching because it draws us into a place farther and farther away from the true gospel. There's places that we need not to go because we know it's going to get us into, into this tension that, that, man, we may follow into a place that, that we should not be together. We need to filter those kinds of things, listening and watching, which means that some of our news stations just have to go. Some of the things that we watch on television and, and put on our, our, our computer have got to go. Our political party, in many cases, need to go. Our organization that we are all for has to go. We've got to put it in this filter that keeps us away from that so that our one true love, our one true thing is about Jesus. And I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we can have a problem with that because there's people out there that want to tell you how you should think. There's people out there who want to tell you how you should believe, how you should behave. And here's what's happening we got these people out here and these people out here. And, and yes, that's my left arm and my right arm. And, here, and, and they're to say out here, this is what you need to believe. This is how you need to act. And I want you to understand that, that they are manipulating you, both sides. And there's some people out here probably right now that are saying, yeah, I hope somebody else over here is listening to this. And they're saying, oh, I hope the other side is listening to this. And the truth is in the middle because what they're trying to do is continue to divide and separate us. And without Jesus in the center, without starting with the premise of of who Jesus is in our life and how we are supposed to live and love others, we will never, ever come together in unity. And we just need to take a break from all that stuff that is keeping us 
from living wholeheartedly for this Jesus whose name is power, whose name is everything. And if we can do that, I'm telling you, it will overthrow anything else that's in the way. It will, if you want unity, that is where it all starts. The gospel is so simple. Faith alone in Jesus alone. Understanding that Jesus died for our sins, yours and my sins, everything we've ever done, everything we ever will do wrong on the cross. And if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that, that we will be saved. It is so, so simple. But it is so, so hard to live out. It is the hardest thing in the world to live out because when you are truly surrendered, it means everything. But here's the thing. The only way to have real meaning in life, the only way to have real purpose in our lives is to live in that kind of surrender. If you want freedom, that is where it starts. Totally sold out. Jesus at the center of every decision that you will ever make. Jesus at the center. And it starts by crucifying yourselves. It starts by crucifying our feelings, our passions, and our desires. And crucifying the world with all of its influence. You want to make a difference? That's where it starts. Are we willing as individuals and as a church to truly really follow this Jesus? The true gospel. Would you pray with me? Father, this is the timing of this is just so amazing with all the division that we're facing in our culture, in our world today, with everything that's happening. And we look back, and it was happening in the first century also. And as Paul says, the solution is crucifying ourselves and the true gospel. And so, Father, we are so grateful, and we are claiming it for us today in our, in our families, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our community, and in our world. And Father, I just pray that you'll help us to focus on who you are. Help us to love like never before. And Father, we pray for unity like never before. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do with it. It's in the amazing, matchless name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.